Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we are talking some USC football with one of our favorite guys out there, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Got some questions about USC football, a little talk about a former USC head coach that we wanted to uh, enlighten you of what's going on in his life. And so lots to get to today uh, during this holiday season. Hope you guys are enjoying it, getting out there doing Doing everything safe out there, uh, shopping and all that kind of stuff. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900, extension, uh, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. You can get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, on Audio Boom on TuneIn Radio, lots of different ways to get a hold of us. Hopefully you can uh, subscribe to the show so you'll get it downloaded every time we have a new episode. We plan to do a few of them this week and all the way through the Rose Bowl. Of course, a lot of recruiting talk because signing day is just around the corner, so we'll have Gerard Martinez on at some point to do about that. So any questions for Coach Hyde, Dan, myself, uh, Gerard for recruiting, just send them in, let us know. We'd love to answer them for you. And without further ado, I want to bring in the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. How are you, Coach? What's going on? Hey, Ryan, uh, thank you very much. Uh, welcome, everyone. Yes, this is our holiday special, I guess I should say, uh, show, and I want to wish everybody a great holiday uh, out there, season, whatever you celebrate. We want to include the entire package, and yes, it is. It's getting to be one of the most exciting uh, times of the year, not that the entire football season isn't, but when you go bowling, uh, that's a great opportunity and a great uh, uh experience for coaches and players and then also on the other side of it it's a period of time where a lot of coaches are excited about getting a new coaching position and then there's a lot of coaches who are saying oh my gosh during the christmas holidays i'm going to be losing my job or i lost my job we're going to have to relocate the kids are saying what are we going to do dad so it's a happy time and a not so happy time uh, as far as in the business of coaching football but we're in a, a period of time that we can uh, talk about the Trojans and uh, their success and who they play and answer all the questions for everybody out there that may have a question for us. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, we got some questions, but there was uh, some breaking news from this morning. So we record this on Monday mornings. And, uh, and it's funny, coach, when I, there's a lot of talk about, we're talking about former USC head coach Lane Kiffin, who was, you know, famously, uh, fired, you know, at LAX and, uh, became the, uh, offensive coordinator for Nick Saban in Alabama, went to the playoff one year, uh, second year went to the playoff and won the national championship and they're back, you know, ranked number one in the playoff, uh, this year. And so just there was a, a watch of where he could end up. Um, you know, he played at Fresno State. They had an opening there. Um, was it, you know, was he going to be able to go there? They, you know, they ended up hiring Jeff Tefford. And there were some other openings, and it looked like Coach it was kind of down to maybe going to be Ed Orgeron's offensive coordinator at LSU or uh, 
you know, Florida Atlantic, that job was still open. And, you know, as of this morning, I think, I don't know, I think it was Bruce Feldman was first. I'm not sure who exactly was first, but, um, you know, it broke that, uh, you know, he became the head coach at Florida Atlantic, signed, a, I think Bruce reported signed like a five-year deal. And, you know, I retweeted that out, coach, and I had some people like, why is everyone so enamored with Lane Kiffin? Um, there's a lot of USC fans that are really, really interested in what he ends up doing. And there's some that are like, I'm just over it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. But I mean, I think it's significant because you're talking about the offensive coordinator for the team that's going to the national, you know, in the, in the playoff again. And of course, you know, see what happens. The last time Lane Kiffin was a head coach was at USC. Now he's going to be at a much smaller school. Kind of get your thoughts on the, the whole situation, coach. Well, uh, when you go back and you look at this, I think Lane Kiffin's name has been mentioned in every coaching position out there. I know his agent. <laughs> Really, uh, his agent has been working hard at Fresno State and other schools or universities to get, uh, entertain him as far as for a position. He's in his last year of a contract there at Alabama. And uh, I'm not sure. I don't know this. Nick Saban hadn't told me this. But uh, I have a feeling that he's been told, find a job uh, through rumors and so on. Steve Sarkeesian is there. Uh, it seems as though there's been a little bit of stress between both of them. And uh, I think that uh, he was not going to be extended. Uh, this is just, I have nothing to document this. I'm just uh, rumors and ways I try to put this together. So uh, he's been a candidate everywhere. Uh, a lot of these jobs aren't the best jobs. When you consider where Lane Kiffin has been for such a young man, I mean, think about it, USC head coach. The Raiders head coach, Tennessee, the head coach. I mean, uh, those there aren't many better jobs than that. Offensive coordinator in Alabama, and you're only some forty some years old, forty two, forty three. I don't know what he is years old, maybe forty four. There's only really one way to go, and that's go back and start over. And basically, this is what he'll be doing at Florida Atlantic. He will not have the Lear Jets. He will not have the unlimited budgets. He will not have the staff that surrounded him before, but he probably won't have the money to pay them what he's paid his former assistant coaches. And he may make the same uh, amount of money, or maybe, I don't know if he'll make more than what he was making as an offensive coordinator at Alabama. So I think this was a position for him where, hey, you know, I've got to get a job. And would he go to LSU? Yes, but he's not a head football coach. And was he really being seriously considered by Ed Orgeron? I don't know. I haven't heard Ed Orgeron say this. But uh, I think he had to take a job that was there. He took this job. And now he's in a position where it's not going to be an easy job, Ryan. I want everybody to understand this because he doesn't have any contacts there. I mean, it's not like he's in Southern California at USC or Alabama or Tennessee when they're the major school. I mean, they're just uh, a school in Florida that takes uh, kids that maybe the other majors don't want. So he's going to be in a very difficult situation working there, and I'm interested to see if Sarkeesian becomes the offensive coordinator immediately or if he's going to have to stay at Alabama until January the 10th, or is he going to get a late start in recruiting and all the above. 
there's a lot yet to be discussed. So, you know, we'll see what happens with this job. And I have nothing against Lane Kevin, nothing. But I'm just saying a lot of these positions he got because of the popularity of USC football, Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll recommending a lot of these people for jobs early. And in the best interest of some of these kids, it wasn't best for them. So uh, we'll see what happens. We will, Coach. And, uh, you know, I apologize to the people. There, there's definitely USC fans that really don't care anymore. And it's kind of funny. But it, it's significant. I mean, not just because it's interesting. We're in the media. You know, you want to you know talk about interesting stories. Lane Kiffin certainly is that. Um, but it's, you know, because it's USC's former head coach, was he going to get another head coaching job was – you know, always something that people found, uh, interesting and, you know, curious to see what would happen there, but also because of the significant impact that could have on the college football playoffs and, and where he kind of goes from here. This is the first, like, this is the first job coach that, um, you know, Lane Kiffin's had that it wasn't someplace high profile. I mean, he's, st- I remember when he was a grad assistant at USC and he was coaching like tight ends and stuff for Pete Carroll. He brought him in. I mean, I met him like, I think the first day was on campus at this, uh, recruiting kind of dinner that night. Like they, you know, Lane Kiff, I mean, Pete Carroll had brought him in. So he really, you know, I got to see him from the very start of when he got his, uh, you know, coaching career going. You know, you're talking about USC, the Raiders, Tennessee and Alabama. Like that's, you're talking blue blood kind of stuff. Um, so this is certainly a, you know, a step in a different direction. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't, no one really knew how long it would take to kind of rebuild his reputation and would anyone trust him? Yeah. Okay. He was the offensive coordinator in Alabama and did really well there, but were programs still willing to hand him the keys and let him take over. They talk about Houston or Fresno State or wherever. And it didn't seem like anyone did until, you know, until this morning. So um, I think USC fans should be interested in this, but I, I, I don't know if you, do you understand the fans that aren't? <laughs> no, I understand that, but I, it's going to be a different situation for him too, ladies and gentlemen. Because at the schools you just mentioned, you have talent, great talent. It's not hard to recruit to the schools you mentioned. It's going to be a little bit different recruiting to Florida Atlantic. It is. Uh, How many people out there can tell me what their mascot is? How many people out there can tell me what city it's in or what conference it's in? So it's going to be a difficult situation when now you call. Yes, it's Lane Kiffin, but where are you, Lane? And it's going to be a whole different thing now. If he, if he can turn this program around or continue uh, building programs, uh, that's great. But every program he's been at has had a tradition and has won. Now, so it's a little bit different. I've always said, I've always said, you know, uh, put me at the right program and it's not as hard to win. It put me in a program that that is going to be struggling and I have to prove I can win. Now he's at a position where he's going to have to prove he can win. I mean, recruiting in Alabama and coaching Galen Hurts, I mean, that's great, or recruiting some of those players they have there. But now, let's see how you do with somebody which, uh, that's a little bit different level of athlete. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it's funny, we actually had a question uh, somewhat regarding, you know, with, with, about Lane Kiffin. This was before he was hired. Um, obviously, this came in last week. Eric in Duck Country he said, do you think, uh, he said, if Lane Kiffin lands a head coaching job, which obviously he has now, that Max Brown would follow him. It seems to be the most logical fit, but I don't hear anyone talking about it. Thanks, Eric and Duck Country. That's that's an interesting aspect, too. I don't know what the 
the quarterback situation is there, but that's certainly someone that uh, Lane Kiffin, you know, recruited and, and maybe would want to come after. I don't think so. I don't think Max is interested in going down there. And not only that, I think that now uh, Coach Kiffin has learned to play with an athletic quarterback. And he sees the benefits of that is what it brings to his offense. So Max really doesn't have that. And I don't know if Max should should go that far. He's not sure what they're going to run down there or do or what's going to surround him. You know, what makes a great quarterback is the people you have surrounding you is who you hand that ball off to and who you throw the ball to and who your receivers are. Max is in a position to be pretty selective on what to do. I think that'd be sort of an unknown for Max Brown. I mean, sort of a question mark. I've been through that before. I don't need that. I can't make a mistake. This has got to be a perfect selection for me. And uh, so sort of like what Russell Wilson did. And and these people going from when they made a transfer or the kid at uh, Eastern Washington that went to Oregon. you got to you got to make the right move when you have one year to make your future in college football. So I don't think – it would surprise me. It really would surprise me. I don't see anything in it for Max. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just such a smaller school. Um, we know he visited the University of Pittsburgh uh, over the weekend, and now it's a recruiting dead period, so there can't be any kind of face-to-face meetings with uh, coaches until um, I believe it's January 12th. So um, obviously Max Brown would like to get that rolling so we'll we'll see if we hear anything from him but um yeah i don't know the quarterback situation there but because of where it is and the size of a school uh, i think that would make it a little more difficult but i could certainly see lane kiffin um you know (laughs) putting on the full full court press and uh, trying to get him to come out there and you know if you get guaranteed a starting spot and that's all he really wants would there be enough buzz around Lane Kiffin that he could get, you know, noticed and, and try to make the NFL? Who knows? But um, we'll see. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that, Coach, before we get to questions. But The, the, the number one thought I have is uh, what is Nick Saban going to do with the offensive coordinatorship? Is he going to keep Lane Kiffin there and make him stay there for <laughs> this entire period of time? And if he knows he stays there, where is his mind really going to be? Is it going to be on putting his new staff together? Heady up recruiting for Florida Atlantic, or is it being uh, preparing for Washington and whoever? So, and uh, there's a distraction there too, as far as the coaches and the players now knowing that he's not going to be back. So, uh, I'm just anxious to see what Nick Saban does here. I, I really am. Uh, is he going to keep him, or is he going to release him and say, "You got the head job. See you later." So, I'm waiting to see what happens. It's really interesting. Now, this is the thing to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Um, let's see. So Bruce Feldman tweeted, uh, I am told that Nick Saban is expected to consider an in-house candidates for Alabama's OC job, Sark, uh, and a couple of other guys. So Steve Sarkisian would be in there. But I don't see anything saying that, you know, he was leaving now. I would assume, Coach, he would just uh, kind of leave now. But, you know, we'll see. Um you know, you, you got to get, you got to hit recruiting hard. I don't know if you, you know, obviously you want, you'd like to win a national championship, but I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to go. That's why we'll wait and see what happens with Nick Saban. He normally does the right thing for the program at Alabama. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some, uh, requ- some of the questions. Uh, our buddy, the G wrote in coach. He said the coaching staff and players are smart people 
And so they understand the enormous opportunity playing and winning the road, what playing and winning the Rose Bowl represents to the program. That said, uh, what do you say to your coaching staff and players in order to ensure that they play up to the challenge and remain hungry and focused? Thanks for all you guys, uh, all you gents do on these podcasts. Merry Christmas to you and yours, the G. Well, I'd, I'd say it's, uh, first of all, something that you get together and you say, hey, guys, we've gotten here now. Let's uh, don't embarrass ourselves. We're representing not only the, the Pac-12, we're representing our tradition of our football program, the future of our football program, the university, and all of the above. And the number one thing we want to do is work harder than we worked before. We want to prepare harder than we've done before. We want to maintain and get back to the level of football playing that we were at the end of the year. We don't want it to drop down, which it does. You lose your intensity there for a period of time, your quickness, your angles, your uh, the speed of the game, so you have to get back to that level to be able to perform. Because Penn State's coming out here uh, as a seven-point underdog that's on a roll, a team that's on a roll. So you want to be able to put the fire out. You want to be able to prove that the Pac-12 is a great program and a great conference, so you've got to be ready to play. Now, realistically, this is a home game for USC. Uh, let's Let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be honest. USC should be the favorite in this football game. You're going to train, I believe, in the same facilities you train for in the entire year. You're going to use the same weight rooms, same video equipments, everything that prepared you for the past eight games as far as winning and getting you into the Rose Bowl game. Now, Penn State's got to pack up everything. they got to go all the way across country. they got to bring everything out here, establish a new office, videotapes, weight room, everything they have to do, a new atmosphere uh, to get ready for a football game. Uh, going to Disneyland, uh, that's a great thing, but it's not going to be a special thing that distracts you from football if you're USC. You put your game face on and you keep it on. Now, you don't get ready to play until it's game day on the second, but you focus on what this game means to you, the ring you wear, the tradition and everything that is a part of the Rose Bowl game. So myself, I would say this game's huge for USC. It's it's big. Not that it's not big for Penn State, but it can't get any bigger from USC. Can't get any bigger regarding recruiting, the pride. Look at the tickets right now. You can't get a ticket. The tickets are so expensive, and they're USC people who are buying these tickets and buying these suites and trying to get these tickets and parking passes because they're proud of what's going on. So, you know, you can't let these people down. And uh, and I would be telling them that. You can't let yourself down, your parents down, our program down. And I would push them hard to a point where on January the 2nd, they would be ready to play. I wouldn't allow all the distractions. I'd keep it fun. We'd do our special things. We'd stay together as a team. We'd say uh, we'd make it. Uh, it's almost like a road game when you're together all the time. And uh, you get ready to play. And I, and you walk out that tunnel at the Rose Bowl and watch the flyover and fly by and you take the field and uh, you're in a zone, a zone that uh, you stay in for whatever number of hours it takes you to walk off that field and someone go to the end, uh, pick up that big trophy there that they award you. That's a good-looking trophy too, Coach. I'm sure USC fans would love to see that back in Heritage Hall. Um, you know what I forgot at the top of the show, coach? I guess it's my, you know, it's a holiday brain. 
going on. I forgot to talk about Southern California tickets because the Rose Bowl ticket is very hard to get. And I've had many, many people come up to me and ask me about tickets or email me or call me. Um, very hard to get. So if you need to get tickets, our, our buddy Curtis over at SC Tickets, SCTickets.com, Southern California tickets, call them at 1-800-888-7287. They can give, they can help you out. Um, tell them Coach Harvey Hyde sent you over there. Or if you want, you know, you can tweet Coach Harvey Hyde. He has lots of Rose Bowl tickets, I heard. So you can tweet him too. But probably go to Curtis first at Southern California Tickets. Um, But, yeah, Coach, you get a lot of requests too, right? I mean, they're just coming from everywhere. No, I do. I do. And, I, you know, and I do the same thing that you just said. I refer him to Southern California Ticket Service. Why? First of all, it's in Pasadena. He's right there near the parade route. So if you want parade tickets, you can get them. And he's right there in Pasadena where he knows the Rose Bowl. He knows the seating. He knows the parking areas. He knows it all, the transportation, all the various events that happen around the Rose Bowl. He's aware of it. So if you want good tickets, go where people know what they're doing. Just go to Southern California Ticket Service in Pasadena. I, I call the local number, 626-577-2557. And right, tell them the coach sent you. Coach Harvey Hyde, good stuff. Um, let's see, we're going to go to Tarek. He said, uh, what are some of the best ways to get younger players an opportunity during bowl preparation, considering some of them will be competing for starting jobs next season? Well, you know, my feeling has always been on that. Just being a part of the preparation is experience for them. Knowing what it's like to go to a bowl game and knowing what it's like to win a football game and and the awards that come along with it. Uh, my first purpose, as far as getting ready for a bowl game, is to win it. I'm going to prepare my number ones and the people that it takes to to win that football game. I, I we'll get more from our football program by winning that than me preparing guys that are second or third stringers for the future. I want to prepare for the future by winning a football game. Because that's going to help me in recruiting. That's going to help my younger players know what it feels like to win, the joy of winning, the uh, the off-season program, getting ready for your opening game, all of that. So they're going to learn by the experience of going to a bowl game, the experience of challenging yourself to be uh, the step to the next level, challenging yourself to be a better person, both on and off the field, and represent the university. So I think in the extra practice days and the drills and the techniques and whatever it takes to win is their bowl experience. Now, you might have a, a special scrimmage for them against each other uh, during a period of time to make sure that they're sharp and they're getting things done, but nothing to jeopardize getting ready to win a football game. So I would say that that's what I would do, and uh, that's the way I'd prepare them. And I'd let them know that. And I'd tell them, your job, guys, is to make our number ones better. Make them better so that we can all experience what we want to experience on January the 2nd. Um, yeah, it's uh, the, what, the, what happens with the young guys during bull prep will be interesting. I think bull prep is going to be a lot different. And just so people know, uh, you know, different from last year, but so people know um, – USC will really start official like practices uh, today, uh, Monday. Uh, Monday will not be one that's open for us. It'll be kind of like a regular game week where we don't get to go to the Monday practice. It's more like installation and stuff. And then Tuesday they'll have a regular practice. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is what we believe. I don't have the schedule yet. Um, and people keep asking. Uh, we've heard nothing that they would be open to the public. So 
Um, they weren't open to the public during, you know, game weeks. I don't, you know, don't believe they would be open to the public during uh, bowl prep. Um, but should be kind of starting off. Really, we'll be out there tomorrow being able to do practice reports and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll look about the same. The only problem, the only difference will be, uh, no Max Brown because he's, uh, you know, he's moved on. So who the, the backup quarterback will be something interesting to watch, coach. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see this week. And I think there'll be almost double the opportunities, ball practices than we saw last year, coach. So look with the team, you know, more organized now, uh, the staff in place, uh, you would assume ball practices are going to go a lot smoother than last year. I agree with you. And I like this dead period. Uh, when I was coaching, you didn't have a dead period during this, uh, bowl period. We used to have to recruit, prepare for the bowls and do all, do all this. It was really too much. And I think that the coaches need a break from recruiting. And I also think the players do as far as just getting away from it for a moment. That's why watching that bowl game is going to be so important for them as far as being successful on the field. Ryan, I wanted to ask you because I'd like to go to one of those practices. Do you know what time they are uh, tomorrow or Wednesday? Yeah, we don't know yet. I think they're going to be earlier because, you know, they their finals have just finished up. Uh, but we don't know yet. I'm, I'm, they're waiting for the last minute to kind of let us know. So uh, I'll let you know when I when I find out, Coach. And um, I just do a, do it a quick Google search uh, for Lane Kiffin. It looks like the plan is for him to stay and be the offensive coordinator through the playoff, which will, you know, be tough. I mean, I, I think you can kind of go back and forth and do both. Um, but that looks like what the plan is now. Uh, but I don't know. We haven't heard anything official, but that's just the kind of buzz that I was reading about, um, you know, before, uh, you know, during that. So we'll see what happens there. And right, coach, I'll let you know when I find out when the practices are probably still early afternoon, but we just don't know yet. Well, I'll tell you what I would try to do. And you know, I'm always thinking ahead. Game time is at two o'clock. Okay. Then I'd want to practice at 2 o'clock if I could. I know that the tournament has a lot of activities you have to attend. But my thought is, and we talked about this for the last two or three years, Ryan. He used to practice in the morning, get the kids up at 5.30. One thing he changed this year in practice, no more music. This is a classroom. It's not a, a, a concert. And also he changed the practices to the afternoon with so many afternoon games and uh, evening games, and I think that really helped the performance of USC's football team. I would be disappointed to hear them working out at 7 o'clock. I would work out or try to make my schedule as a head football coach at 2 p.m. And these kids would remember at 2 p.m. is kickoff in the Rose Bowl. That's a good idea, Coach. We'll see uh, see what they do. I think that could be around there because um, they were normally practicing at 4. I heard that they probably will try to practice a little earlier. Um, and there's other events and stuff going on too. So maybe they will do too. So we'll, we'll let you know as soon as we hear it, but we have not got an official word yet. So, uh, I can't help you there. We got a couple more and then we'll let you go, coach. We have Curtis. He says, just watched, uh, Big Ten Network's Rose Bowl preview with Brady Quinn. That's the, uh, former, uh, Notre Dame quarterback. He said, I, uh, he said that we have shut down corners in Dory Jackson and Iman Marshall. Tell coach Hyde that even though he has bad hips, he has safety and has safety size. He can cover man to man and play zone. He's a damn good cornerback and not just uh, a great player. Um, and that's been proven on the field this year. And defensive substitutions have helped us on our winning streak. I know coach Harvey Hyde doesn't like the sub, uh, but he didn't have the overall talent or depth of this USC team when he was at UNLV. 
I heard that the Utah law after the Utah loss, Helton told Pendergast to start substituting to keep the defensive fresh, defense fresh, and it worked. That's uh, Curtis and Marino Valley. And real quick, Coach, um, if you look at Shotgun's uh, substitution patterns at super, you know substitution charts and everything he does after every game, plots out the the number of subs. There really hasn't been a, a lot of substitution on defense. Like there have been some, but not. Not a ton. There's kind of like the core group of guys. They do a little bit more than I think before, but it's not like there's mass substitutions going on. No, I agree with you. I don't see mass substitutions. I think most of the substitutions have been in the secondary, if any place. Uh, I think you get on a roll, you get a feel, uh, and you play. And, and, uh, and uh, of course, everybody's uh, got their opinion, and I, I respect this gentleman and his thoughts on Marshall, I think he's a great kid. I think he's a great player. And when I've talked about him, I've I've just felt it as though that he his talents could be better utilized, maybe in another position. But he's gained a lot of confidence this year, and uh, he's come a long ways during this football season. And uh, I want to wish him the best and continued success because he's a starting corner, and Adoree's a starting corner, and we'll see what happens because Penn State. That's a couple of good receivers there. And I think the number one thing you got to take away is the receivers. they got a pretty good running game, too, and this Barkley kid. And, but uh, I'm not going to break that down for you. I've broken down Penn State, and I've watched them, uh, too, uh, in their games. Uh, when we get to that later on, if you want me to, I'll be happy to do that. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to do like a you know couple couple podcasts, I think, with Rose Bowl preview stuff as we get kind of closer. Um uh, to the game, so we'll certainly do that. We have one last one for you. It's our buddy Big Nick uh, from the Peristyle, Nick from Cyprus. He says, do you think uh, one of the break points for this team before this awesome run has been the discipline on the team from kicking guys like Osa Messina, Don Hill, Jabari Ruffin, A.J. Price, Noah Jefferson, suspending Isaiah Langley and Chuma Doga? I, I know you say it's hard sometimes to punish your kids because it will hurt you more than them, but sometimes discipline is needed to understand team rules and boundaries. Uh, what do you think? Fight on, love what you guys do. Well, yes, uh, there comes a point when you give a guy a second chance. There's a point when you tell him one more incident of any type, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. But don't say something that you're not willing to follow through on. But sometimes kids uh, know. They tell their teammates what he what you tell them. And if you don't follow through with what you tell them the rules are and regulations are, then you're losing your authority. So don't make rules that you're not willing to enforce because uh, when you make a rule, you've got to enforce that rule. So, yeah, obviously Coach Helton has his rules. And by the suspension of some of these players, obviously he had his uh he had his thought on why it was necessary. Some he didn't really have a choice. Uh, but on some of the others, he did have a choice. And I think uh, they become better players. And it sends a message out to the team that I'm serious about certain things. Yet uh, you don't want to do it. You don't want to, but you need to do it. It makes you a better foundation for your football program. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think uh, it's a good point by Nick. Um Clay Helton's style is a little, it's, it's definitely different than some of the other head coaches we've seen around USC. He kind of goes along with whatever, like the university policy is. He doesn't say a whole lot. 
about the discipline or what's going on. We really heard nothing about uh, Noah Jefferson um, not being around. And I ended up breaking the story that he was transferring, uh, you know, he was leaving. But when you don't see a player around that long, you kind of, you know, you can kind of read the writing on the wall, coach. You kind of figure out what's going on. So, um, but I think that, you know, Clay Helton was, you know, he's been strong about that. He's like, hey, you know, there's discipline there. You're, you're he's following through on the promises or threats or whatever you want to say that he's made. And I think players will see that and respect that. And it's, you know, it's certainly been hard when you have to tra- change out the whole coaching staff or most of it and bring in new guys and, and get everyone familiar with each other and try to prepare for everything. So, you know, it's been a crazy sort of season. And then with the, the whirlwind factor of losing early and then winning a lot late, I think this off season coach to me will be, you know, the most interesting with, you know, how the recruiting class ends up shaping up. Uh, you know, you're seeing some decommitments that are, you know, not all decommitments are created equal. Like we've talked about before. Um, you'll see that you'll see, uh, what we thought were really good off-season workouts with players-only stuff, that should be the same or, or you know, even get a little bit better. But I think with the staff being in place and they can kind of mold the roster a little bit more the way they want it, it should be, you know, a lot better. And I think um, you should see a, a, an improvement from a team that's, you know, really a first-year team to a second-year team. You usually should see that. And I think with a lot more stability and just not everything going a million miles an hour. It should help the the entire team through this offseason going into next year, Coach. No, and that's just the normal progress. And uh, another thing, too, is when you're able to set a program together, your program, and you have success doing it, it also helps, too. Now, if you were to kick all those guys off and didn't work and you're still losing, hey, you'd have a lot of problems going on. But you're able to continue winning and and the team stuck together, and, you know, there's some kids out there, and you and I have talked about this, uh, the Noah Jeff- Jefferson situation and T.J. Price and these guys. I mean, it's very difficult to lose five-star players like that, and it's uh, a big decision for you to do that. Uh, again, maybe there's an opportunity to save them and bring them back. I don't know what the circumstances are, so I don't want to comment on that. But everybody deserves a second chance. And, again, uh, that's the same thing as saving the number as far as a scholarship and saving a kid's life. But you don't want uh, a kid to lose the opportunities of playing at USC, getting an education at USC. And sometimes when a kid, uh, you follow through with what you do, the kid comes back with a completely different attitude. So we'll see what happens with all of that too, Ryan. We will, Coach. All right. Well, thanks very much for uh, coming on the show. And uh, sharing all your thoughts. It was fun to talk a little Lane Kiffin and, of course, answer the USC questions. Keep sending those in. Uh, we'll start talking more about Penn State in the, you know, in the coming weeks. Probably have Dan Weber on this week to talk about, uh, you know, bull prep. And we'll talk to Gerard Martinez about uh, uh, recruiting and stuff because, obviously, a lot of that is heating up, too. So uh, stay tuned to this, this week for some more Peristyle podcasts. We'll, maybe we'll try to get a special guest, too. But... That's kind of the plan so far this week. And uh, thanks again, Coach, for coming on. Brian, thank you very much. And for all of you that participate or listen, we thank you too. And again, uh, happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Coach. Everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. 
Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 